This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. series called Formed, uh, where we're looking at the kind of different things that changes. They're down there on the slide. And we're, story, what story are we in? What story are we in? Uh, philosopher Ivan Illich, who's an Austrian philosopher, Roman Catholic priest, he said, if you want to change society, you have to tell a different story. You know, the story of pleasure and finance and man and unrestrained desire that, that's, that, you know, if you, want to, if you want to change society, you've got to tell a different story. And, um, and Paul says in Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not be conformed or do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In one sense, Paul is saying there's a pattern of this world, there's a story of this world, and as disciples, we are to be in a different story. Um, Pastor Mike Eyre in his book, Why the Bible Matters, says, the Bible reveals the world as it really is. Uh, It's not primarily a theological textbook, a book of laws or regulations, a collection of nice moral stories. It's a story that presents a different way of seeing God, the world, and our lives in it. In other words, what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about the Bible as this alternative story. In fact, I need to have my Bible to waggle around because that makes it look kind of authentic, doesn't it? How's that? This is an old Bible. I've got a new Bible, but if I brought my old Bible, it makes me look like I've read it more, doesn't it? So <laughs> how shallow am I? Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, we're not conformed to this world's story. We inhabit a different story. If Scripture isn't shaping you, the cultural narrative's shaping you. We, you know, we said this as part of our series on discipleship, uh, that we're all being formed by the, by the culture outside. We, we're not neutral we're all, uh, we all watch the TV, we all listen to the movies, we all go out, we're all around people. We're being shaped by the cultural narrative around us. And, 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 if, and if we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, the cultural narrative of this world, then we need to be conformed and shaped to this book. Amen? Amen. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. So actually, we're, uh, it looked like I'm talking about story, but actually I'm going to talk about practices. I'm going to talk about practices, and I'm going to talk, when I get there, we will get there, on meditating on Scripture. Meditating on Scripture. So let's dive in. I'll put this down, stop waggling it around. I might waggle it around later. Uh, let's dive in at 2 Timothy uh, 3, uh, 16 and 17, familiar verses if you've been around church at all. Uh, Paul is uh, writing to his young Padawan, his young uh, disciple, his young apprentice, who's actually become the pastor at the church in Ephesus, so it's like a significant job, and he's kind of trying to encourage him, keep going, keep going. And this is what he says, uh, maybe verses that are familiar to some of you, um, but he says, But for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know these from whom you learned it, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures.' 
which are able to make you wise through faith in Jesus, the Messiah. And then says this, this is a familiar verse, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's used for, for training, rebuking, correcting, uh, sorry, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, we just, we pray, Lord, we want to be people of the book. Well, it seems strange, it's incredibly countercultural that we're here this morning, and we're not doing something else. Lord, but we're here because we're here for you, but we're here because we, we want to be people of the book. We don't want to be the dry people who know the book, but we want to know you through the doorway of this book. And Lord, I pray, help us to live countercultural lives, not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Lord, I pray you transform me. Keep transforming me through the, through the word of truth. Keep transforming me through your word. Keep transforming me in other ways that we've talked about in this series. But Lord, I pray, keep transforming me as we dig into scriptures. Amen. I love it, actually, that, that uh, Paul says to Timothy, you've, you've learned it from those... Uh, from infancy and I just want to honour women it's Mother's Day next week uh, we are going to do something Naomi and I are going to be up to bat Naomi's crossing her eyes and thinking oh my word she's just gone full time she's thinking when have we got time to do it so I'll probably write the words and she'll deliver it in her inimitable style but we've got Mother's Day but I just want to honour mothers uh, because um, actually Paul uh, says about Timothy he says I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your own grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded lives also in you. I mean, Timothy's you know, taken on with the responsibility, and actually it's brilliant. His mom Eunice has taught him the Bible. And his grandmother Lois has taught, him the, uh, taught Eunice the Bible. And this is not about ticking the box and saying, are you reading the Bible with your kids? I know when we used to try and read our Bible with our kids, it was like mayhem. You know, they were quite well behaved. And then we'd say, right, we're going to read the Bible. And they mucked about and farted about and, and, and punching each other. And, and you think, what on earth is going on? I was like, okay, sack that off. I'm trying to say, Jesus loves you, shut up. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, okay. And Naomi said, you're not modeling what you're trying to talk about at all. <laughs> you're not modeling what you're doing. So, you know, so when he's saying when you learnt it, it's not like, hey, come on, let's have two minutes of Bible time. It's about saying, you know, Eunice, uh, Lois had lived this. She'd lived this book. And Eunice had lived this book. And that helped Timothy to live the book. Yeah, do you understand the difference? Yeah. So, you know, I just want to honour women. In fact, Naomi said, what a lovely picture of those women. I thought I've got different age groups. Um, but yeah, we, we want to honour women. I think it's great. And actually, I was in with Mark Clements and Sophie Clements' group. They're, they're away today. But um, he shared about uh, his Bible in the group. And I thought, oh, so good what he said. I said, can you come share it? He said, I'm aware. Oh, no, it's going to be one of those Sundays. But I thought, aha, by the power of technology, Mark is going to share what he shared at group. So he's, it's really funny, he's sitting in his car, because when you've got three kids, that's the only, space you can get, only place you can get some quiet. So let's watch Mark and listen to what he says. I think it's really good. Hey, God's best. Um, Howard just asked me to share a story uh, about reading the Bible, which I heard recently. Um, I was listening to a uh, podcast from St. Aldate's Church in Oxford, a chap called Simon Ponsonby was uh, preaching, and um, he loves to collect Bibles, loves to um, go to any sort of charity, charity bookshop and, and buy some Bibles that are in there, 
um, and just read about them, see who's had them before and what, what they're about. And he's got some really old ones and some uh, different ones and new ones. Um, and he illustrated this story where he had loads of um, unread Bibles and um, he'd open them up and, you know, open the page, uh, open the cover and it says to, you know, John and Jenny on, on, their, on their wedding, on their wedding day. Um, you know, happy wedding day, here's a Bible. It's completely unread, like never been engaged with, um, never, never opened, never read at all. And he says, you know, I, want, I wonder how their marriage is, you know, I wonder how they're doing. Um, and you just think, oh, so much truth and so much treasure that they're missing out on in, in that in that word, in that in that Bible that they haven't engaged with. And he gets another one, and it's like to to you know to to Jerry on um on your confirmation for or your baptism, um you know lots of love and the family members giving them a Bible and it, and it's unopened, never been read. And he says, it's just so much truth and so much treasure that all that opportunity to engage with the with the living God and it's just unread and it's been discarded. Um, and then he and then he eventually gets his um, this other Bible and it and it looks like this. Um, this is my nan's Bible. He actually gets his dad's Bible out, um, but this is my nan's Bible, my mum's mum's Bible, um, and it has been read within an inch of its life. Um, it, it, every page has been written on. There's there's marks all over it. There's um, stuff that's been underlined. It's been a Bible that's been engaged with and loved and used. And my nan, you know, has left her mark on this Bible. And the Bible's left its mark on her. And, you know, my family talk about my nan as in, as this this late, I didn't meet her, I did meet her, but she died when I was, you know, like five, so I don't really remember her. But my family and extended family talk about my nan like she was the best lady in the world, you know, a lady full of faith, so steadfast in, in, in her life. And, you know, it comes from her knowing this book and the book leaving its mark on her. And it just really inspired me to um, you think, you know, I'd love, I'd love for my Bible to look like that and for my kids to go this was my dad's bible this is my dad's bible look i remember my dad reading this bible every day and engaging with it and scribbling in it here's all my dad's notes about his relationship with christ over the years and his life and i think Phew, that's a, such a challenge for me and something i just would love to kind of encourage us to think let's you know i mean there's a time and a place to have a, a bible on our phones and 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 that works but i think let's not lose track of this is scripture and this is this is sacred and something that's so special about the book, you know, not just having it on a device and um, in, engaging with it and it being part of us and and writing on it and you know, having that truth and treasure that's right there. So I was really inspired by that, you know, not to have a messy Bible and to be like, look at me, I've been reading my Bible, but a sense of like to engaging in this word and feeling like Christ is changing me on a daily basis and to be that example to my kids and to my family. And to those around me, I think, and ultimately to have a, a greater relationship with the living, with the living God who we, who we serve and love. So just to encourage you um, to grab your Bibles and scribble on them and pick them up and, and let's dive into this, you know, talk that Howard's done and, and be changed as we move forward. Okay, guys, love you. See you soon. Bye. It's great, isn't it? It's like you can hear from Mark, you know, the, the, the faith that lived in my nan, that was in my mom, that was in me. And he wants it to be in his kids. We could stop there, couldn't we? You probably think, yeah, let's stop there. It's been sunny. Let's go out. Yeah, there's nothing more. Mark's done it much more concisely. But hey, we're going to power through. So let's start off with all scripture is God-breathed. And that, in one sense, is just, yeah, 
that saying that the Holy Spirit inspired the words, God inspired the writers, that, that there's that kind of level about God breathed. But I think, you know, it's sometimes when I'm preparing a sermon, I think, where have I heard the word God breathed before? Anyone where you think God breathed in the Bible? Genesis, boom! That's the way you do biblical theology. Where have I seen that before? Maybe that's in the writer's mind, boom. Here it is, Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then God, say the word. No, no, no. Then God formed, formed. What are we doing? Getting formed. God formed the man, Adam, from the Adam means mankind, from the dust of the ground, and now you can say it breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being there's a sense where where the old scripture is god breathed yes it means it's inspired but actually it still does the same thing of breathing into us and forming us when you open it it's like whoosh it's a breath of god breathe on me breath of god that old hymn used to say uh, this is joel b uh, b green theologian who says reading the scriptures should be an exercise in our submission to god and he says, we don't read simply for information. Yes, there is information there, but also for formation. We read so the scriptures will shape us. You know, you imagine this is kind of the potter and the clay, shape us to be more and more like Jesus. Who doesn't want that? Yes, spiritual formation is not measured by how much we know about the Bible, although that's important, or how often we read the Bible, and that's definitely important, but the way we follow Jesus. What you want is you want the Bible to do its work on you, to form you. All scripture is God-breathed. And Bible reading is, like I say, it's just like breathing in. We inhale God's life and truth. I never used to feel that. I used to feel like with, from my mom. I learned it from my mother, Barbara. And I, and I kind of got the idea that basically it was all about getting through the Bible. You know, like, did you get through the Bible? And it wasn't until later on that I learned that, no, it's about the Bible getting through into you. You know, it's not about, oh, I went through, tick, 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 did my reading. Okay, God loves me now. No, it's about getting the Bible into me and forming me and inhaling me. I love, I read this this week in, in my Bible time, points to me. It's, it, uh, it's one that I'm reading with my two boys who, one lives in London, one lives in Reading. I'm trying to encourage them to, finally now, they're 23 and 26 and they want to read the Bible with me without kicking off. Well, they might kick off, but I don't know because they just walked at me. And we read this. It says, uh, uh, this is uh, Jesus uh, saying, the words, he says this to his disciples, the words I've spoken to you are full of the spirit and life. I love that. Words, spirit, life. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't separate them, does he? You don't think, oh, words, that's dry and boring. Spirit, life, that's kind of fun and exciting and alive. No. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and what life. And then he says, yet some of, there are some of you who do not believe. And then there's a little discussion about, are you going to leave me also? And then Pete, Simon Peter says these brilliant words. I think we should read it together. I'm in that mood, mood today. Let's read it together. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking like, it's actually like a drowning person pulled up on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the shore. And I was talking to Tom Bradbury about drowning. I think that's probably why he's not here today either. But I talked to him about drowning, and, and he nearly drowned in a river in, in Switzerland. And I nearly drowned on a beach in, in Wales. And we're talking about drowning. 
And, um, and it made me think about sort of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And it's imagine, it's imagine it like when you read your Bible, think, actually, it's like God breathing into you. And it's like a, a drowning person saying, no, I just don't fancy it, to be honest. I don't really fancy you pumping my heart and breathing your life into me. I'll just kind of get through fine, thank you. You know, and those Bibles that are unread that Mark uh, Clements talked about, it's like saying, yeah, yeah, I don't need CPR. We need CPR. I need CPR every morning. Wake me up. Put your life in me. Dane Ortland, in his great book, um, uh, Deeper, uh, with, I, I feel, you know, with this idea of, of, of kind of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, he says, Scripture is not an ancillary benefit for a life already well-ordered. Yeah, I, you know, I pip, dip into my Bible, you know, when I've got time between whatever I'm doing, watching Leeds, great win on, on Friday, sorry, I'm working on my adultery. Uh, in order, uh, uh, great, uh, otherwise, let me read again, Scripture is not an ancillary benefit for a life otherwise well-ordered in a need in need of a little boost. Scripture is shaping and enlivening, putting life in you and oxygenating. It's like, so all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for. That idea useful seems a bit of a kind of funny word, doesn't it? It's like useful. You know, I don't, if you said what's useful. So I, I thought about what's useful uh, and I thought about these two things. Uh, the, fir- the, one on, the one on the left, it's kind of useful. Obviously, that person's, I don't know if they've hit it fat or whatever, but it's kind of useful. Who was, has a use for a, a pitching wedge? Not many of you. Anyone here have a use for a pitching wedge? I have a spare. Andy Wilson, you need to practice. Alex, we'll pray for a miracle and you can start golfing. But, <laughs> but that isn't really useful, is it? A pitching wedge isn't very useful. And it's not like the Bible's like a pitching wedge or a sand wedge. I'll use it occasionally when we get in the bunker, da, 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 whatever. It's like this thing. Does anyone know what that thing on the right is? It's a heart stent. That, I've got one of them in here. And it's in my left descending coronary artery. And it opened it up. And the guy showed me it. And he was like, this is the thing that goes, went inside you. And I went, wow. It's like, wow, that's so, it's keeping me alive. They said, you could have died. That's useful. That's oxygenating. That's enlivening. Yeah? So when he says, all scriptures, God be them useful, think heart stent. Think heart stent. It's that kind of useful. And, it, and it's useful for what? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Teaching, that means do it like this. Do life like this. Uh, rebuking, don't do life like that. Yeah? <laughs> you know. Correcting, now you've tried that, now try this. Yeah? Training. Do it again. Do this again. Let me say that again. Teaching. Do life like this. Co- rebuking. Don't do life like that. Uh, co- uh, correcting. You've tried that. Now try this. Uh, training. Do that again and again and again. Yeah? You get that? That's what it's for. It's like, don't do that. No. I could mention, if I was like good on application, my wife always says I'm not very good at I could mention things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do, and things that you should do differently, and things that you should do over and over again. But you've been around most of you long enough to know what they are, right? Okay. So it's, it, it, it's kind of useful for training in righteousness. Now, this is a little sidebar, but I couldn't help putting it in. Um, again, when I was talking to Tom Bradbury, he says he's reading through Psalm 119, which is a great psalm about the the words, and this in Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. 
Now, a lamp is quite useful, isn't it? Changing metaphor from heart stent to useful. A, a, a lamp is quite useful. I mean, we've all got them on our phones now, so you don't need one, do you? But, but it's quite useful. And, and it made me, made me think about, imagine a culture without electricity and think about lamps in that kind of culture and think about the darkness. And Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 59. He says, so justice, that means living right and righteousness, does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. And then this is a metaphor. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, finding our way like people without eyes. At midnight, we stumble as if it's twilight. It's almost like if you don't read your Bible, it's like you're just trying to find your way as almost in the pitch darkness. And then Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? If you're a parent, you might be asking that question. Or you might be a young person, you might be thinking, how do I keep pure? The writer to the psalm says, by living according to your, say it, word. I seek you with all my heart. I do not, do not let me stray from your commandments. This is great. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Without God's word, we're kind of stumbling around and getting into all things we shouldn't. And, and like we've got no sense of purpose, no clarity, no direction. But actually, if we hide God's word in our heart, suddenly we're going to be in a situation where we can live righteously. All scriptures God breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness, so that, so that, that's the goal, isn't it? When he says so that, that's the point of it all, so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we want to be equipped. We want to be equipped to live well to do well, to have live the good life, to live a, a different story. John Mark Comer says this, um, I, he says, I love that, talking about this, I love that, thoroughly equipped. You become a very specific kind of person for every good work in order to join in in what God is up to in the world. Scripture plays the role of a sculptor, shaping your thinking, your feeling, your believing, and out of that, you're living. Dallas Willard says, when we come to Scripture as part of our conscious, intentional strategy to cooperate with God for, every, uh, for the full redemption of every part of our life. In other words, if you want to have a life that's right, righteousness just means it's in line with, with what God is. It's in, justice means it's in line with what the, uni, the universe should be. If you want to live a life like that, you have to have the, have the Bible to the Bible in you. Okay, so how do we come to Scripture then? How do we come to Scripture? I don't know if anyone's ever been into a Jewish household. They have this thing called mezu. Mezu, mezu. They have little things on the doorpost. Have you ever seen those? If you've been in a Jewish house, they have the little thing on the doorpost. They're called mezu, mezi, mezu. Oh, look at me like... I probably... I'm going to Jerusalem for my... Uh, for a little holiday, after have to take 15 PCR tests and quarantine and all that. But hopefully, if I get through that, I might actually go into Jerusalem and wander around. I'm looking forward to that. But, all the, but the place we've booked has got a little thing on the door. They have that little thing on the door. And I thought about this, and I thought, what's in that? This is what's in it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... 
the Lord is one. Oh, you think, oh, this sounds like Jesus. Yeah, he quotes it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all these strengths. Give these, these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. And then it says, teach them to your children, which is what happened to Timothy, and put them on your doorposts. And so what happens to a Jewish person when they go in, they, they, they touch this. They touch this. And I thought about it, and I thought like the, the, the word is the way in. It's like, hide these words in your heart. The word is like the doorway in. It's the doorway in. And then I was kind of reading about and, and stuff like this, and I thought about actually two passages, of, and I couldn't choose between them. And then I heard somebody talk about it, and I thought, oh, this is handy. So here, here's a bit of, like, so the, 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 the Jewish Bible is divided into three bits. It's got the law, the Torah, first five books. And then it's got the uh, section called the prophets, and it's got a section called the writings. Now, the first book in the prophets is, I've done a little arrow to help you, Joshua. Joshua. Oh, you think, oh, he's not a prophet. Don't worry about it. It's the first one. The first book in Psalms, I'm sorry, the first book in the writings is Psalms. So this, I thought about it and thought, these are the doorway. These are the doorway. They're the way into the prophet's and the writings, they're almost like the little thing on the door that you go in. So let's read that and see these. We're going to read them two back to back and see what they say. There's some overlap. So let's read it. This is Joshua, first book of the prophets after Moses has died. It says, uh, God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law, that's the Torah, that's the first bit my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. And then keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you be careful to obey everything that's written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Okay, let's see what... What's in this? So Psalm 1, that's the door into the prophets. Psalm 1 almost sounds like the same. Well, there's certainly some overlap. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, don't turn to the left, or in the seat of sinners or to the right. Uh, no, but, but nor sit on the seat of scoffers, but who delights in the, the law of the Lord. It's gone from obey to delight. Who, and then who meditates on his law, this is a word, day and night. That person is like a, a, a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. All they do prospers. Okay, free shot. What, give me some, a couple of things out of here that, that, that are definitely overlapping. I've kind of made it fairly clear because I put them in yellow. You've noticed that. You're like, hello. So come on, tell me then, what are they? Blessing. Prosperous. Fruitful, they're kind of one little group of words. Yeah, what else? Meditating. Focusing on the word. What else? Give me obeying. Anything else? Day and night. It's a rhythm, it's a habit. Let's do it. So I just thought about this and I thought scripture is a doorway into Jesus. So if you imagine this is like on the doorpost of your life and you just hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is good. It's almost like the doorway in. 
This book is like the doorway in. And, and it's almost like, the, the, it's almost like the, the spirit when he inspired Joshua and when he inspired Psalms is saying, this is the doorway in. You're going to read these bits and these are, the, these are the way in. Yeah? Following? Okay, good, sort of. So I'm just going to pick those words and then we'll, we'll finish. So the first one is delight. Delight. I don't know what you feel about the Bible. I mean, in one sense, if it's the doorway in, I don't, I, don't partic- I don't love this book in a way that, like, a Muslim might love a book. So Naomi used to teach in Manchester, and you taught, it was kind of quite mixed, multi-ethnic group, and there was quite a lot of Muslim, and they basically would have this thing where they'd, they'd get the Quran out, and they'd lay it on a cloth and they'd wrap it incredibly carefully and then they'd unwrap it and it was like they honoured the book, yeah? They honoured the book. Now, and they'd be appalled with this thing, wouldn't they, that I'm flipping around and, you know, I'm throwing in my bag and, you know, because and, they're, they're kind of honouring the book, aren't they? And they think honouring the book is to honour the pages. But we honour the book by saying... Actually, I love the guy it talks about. Yeah? I love the one it talks about. You know, it's like you, when you read literature, you know, I, I'm not a great reader of fiction, but, you know, when, if you read it, watch a good movie, the, it's not about the technic, technical, you know, the, you see the BAFTAs, don't you, and they say best cinemato- cinematography and best soundtrack. Actually, what makes a movie is the persons, isn't it? It's the characterizations, who's in the book. And I delight in the person of this book. Do you? I, I love him. You know, I say that unashamedly. I love Jesus. You know, I, 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 I'm not a person of the book because I like the book. I'm a person in the book because I'm digging around. I think, there he is again. There he is again. There he is again. I think this book, the way it's put together to point to Jesus is amazing. Let's delight in this book because we delight in him, eh? Second, oh, I've thrown it down. Second thing, careful to obey. That's almost like our culture gets delight. Oh, I love delight. I delight in this. I delight in this. Now, obey feels like, oh, no, I don't get that. We don't get that. Obey. Who, who likes to obey? <laughs> Elizabeth. Carlos, you're on a good thing there, mate. <laughs> Nobody likes obey. We love delight. You know, angel delight. No, we love delight, don't we? we uh, sorry, show my age. We love delight, but we don't really love obey, do we? I mean, I had a guy who's left the church. I don't know if this was the reason. And I asked him to move forward two seats in the prayer meeting. And he came to me afterwards, like two to, a week later, and said, I'm so angry that you asked me to move forward. I was like, oh, oh. And I tried to ask him really nicely. And there was like something, he's a good guy. He's, I'm not re- slamming on him. He's a good guy. But what he just found it really hard was like to be told what to do. I said, can I ask you? I asked you really nicely. And I said, look, I just thought, sit on the front row of the prayer meeting makes it better. La, la. No, I don't want you to tell me what to do. This book tells us what to do, doesn't it? And what's our response? Do it. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey. I'll keep my commandments. You think, Jesus, it's a bit heavy. It's got, we've got a problem with it. No, it's just like he's delightful. We can trust him, eh? Keep his commandments. Eudin Peterson says this, 
YouTube prison. He died recently. He wrote the message translation. Obedience is living in active response to the living God. I like that, do you? How do you respond to God? Obedience. The most important question we ask of this text, I think, well, stay as it is, is not what does it mean, but what can I obey? A simple act of obedience will open up our lives to this text far more quickly than any number of Bible studies, dictionaries, and concordances. And I use Bible studies, dictionaries, and concordances. But actually, the bottom line is, are you doing it? Are we doing it? And then let's come to the kind of bit of that I want to just double-click on a little bit more. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. I love the way that, again, John Mark Comer puts this. Meditate on what God... Meditate on what, what does God want me to think? What does he want me to feel? What does he want me to believe? What does he want me to do or not to do? To start or stop? To repent of? To live out? To celebrate? To worship? To praise? To thank God? To lament? To mourn? How does God want me to put flesh and blood on this? I love that. The Bible's meant to be obeyed because it's meant to be lived. We don't want to want to know Bible, we want to do Bible. So I'm going to give you this thing, and you're going to think, oh, my word, we've become Catholics. <laughs> I used to work in a Catholic school, and you used to think, uh-oh. But actually, I'm a little bit more open to stuff. The stuff that, 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 that before it all got very messy... In, in, in Catholicism. Oh dear, I'm now sitting on deep water. But in the early days, they did some stuff, some practices that were actually quite handy. And so I, I was really reluctant to use the Latin, but I thought, well, if I use the Latin, it'd make me look clever. So here's this one. It's called Lecto Divina. It just means spiritual reading. And it basically is like a five-step thing to read the Bible. Okay? Good? So I'm going to give you a little five-step thing. So the first one is get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Now, it's a challenge for me because although I've got a paper Bible, my eyesight's so bad in the morning, it takes like my eyes aren't working till 9 o'clock. So, so if I get this Bible out, it's like, ugh. So I have it on the phone, big text. But generally, what you want to do is you, when, you, when you, you know that little thing by the side of your bed that, that, that Tom talked about, Tom Bobby talked about, you just kind of want it, don't you? And the first thing you want to do is check your fantasy football, Andy Allen, top of the league, again, best score, you know, and like, oh, you want to check the football, or you want to, you, Lawrence is smiling, you want to check those things, or you want to check your Twitter, or did someone like your picture, or, you know, have your kids got in touch with you, and that's the first thing you want to do, but I think what Tom was saying is, like, no, no, he's saying don't even have Bible in your bedroom, uh, don't even Bible, don't even have your phone in your bedroom, because actually it can be a big distraction, so it's like, get ready, quiet. And this sounds like a bit like Buddhist, doesn't it? But like, breathe. Not like, yeah, breathe. The Buddhists have stolen that. No, we, we believe in, yeah, breathe, breathe in. All scriptures, God breathe. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then read that, the word lecto. And just read the bit you've got. And I know there's great merit in reading four chapters a day. But actually, what I try to do is to read for the bit that glows or the bit that shines or the bit that 
that jumps out at you. Who's doing this? Some of you, some of you. And um, you just pick the bit that, that jumps out of you. In fact, you pass my phone. Is it on? If it's on, I'll just say what I said to my boys this morning. Does anyone do a Bible reading this morning? I'm like, did you text your friends? I know I text my friends because it's like a way of journaling, isn't it? I should say what I read. I hope it's good. I can't remember. Let me see what I sent to my boys. Here we go. John 14, verse 4. I quoted it. It says, You know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. So I'm reading through that chapter. This jumps out, I think. That is a great question, Thomas. Jesus says he's going away, and Thomas says, I don't know where you're going. And we think, Thomas, you're an idiot. But actually, we all think, yeah, where are you going? It's like, I don't know where you're going. How, how do you get there? You know, it's a, it's a great question, isn't it? So I put this. I think that uh, I would like Thomas, I would think that I would like Thomas to have said to you, I don't know the way. How do I get to be where you are, Jesus? How do I get to be where you are with the Father? I would have wondered, how do you get to heaven? And I would have thought, try and be good, as I can be, or try some other method. And then I put to my boys, but Jesus simply says, I am the way. So let's be fully devoted followers of Jesus, walking in his steps, obeying his words, being with him, and then we'll be with him now and in eternity. So all I did is just read it. What did God say? Let it shine. And then the thing to do then is to, to, to reflect on it, meditate on it. Okay, what's that saying? Why, why? You know, why do I feel I don't know the way? And you meditate on it and you kind of listen. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You've obviously highlighted that bit to speak to me. And he doesn't want you to think your own thoughts. He wants to put his inspiration into you. He wants to put his breath in you and form you. And so you chew it over. Meditation, like the, the actual word meditation that you use in the Bible means like chewing a bone. If you go, we've got a dog. Uh, if you... Go to our dog when he's got a bone. Arr! He is committed to that bone. He's, he's on it. And he's like, you know, you give him it on Sunday. He's in the garden Monday evening. Arr, arr, arr. You're chewing on the thing. Do you know what I mean? We should be like that with the... We, we kind of, like, it's not Angel Delight, Mr. Whippy, you know. It's like, oh, I'm chewing on that thing. What does it mean? How does it mean to... How do you be with Jesus? How do you do that? Why, how do you be where he is? Jesus, I want to be where you are. I don't really know the way. Teach me the way. I want to be with you. Chew it over. And then respond, which I just did then, didn't I? Orito, orito means pray. Father, help me. Help me. I'm so distracted, but I want to be where you are. You've got the words of eternal life. I want to be where you are. I want to help me. Help me, Father. So I pray it out. And then, and then the last, uh, no, second to last one is contemplate on it. Dwell in it. I thought, hmm, what's a great picture for that? A hammock. Yeah, you know I mean, it's like, ah, I'm going to rest in this. This is a word I think all day. You know, so if I get to lead the little prayer meeting on or Sunday, be work for the for the workers. I just think, well, what have I read today? And just do that. Did you do that today? What you read this week? You just think, ah, oh, I'm living with that. I'm just going to rest in it. I'm just going to dwell in it, and return to it. Remember it. It's good to remember scripture, writing it down, journaling, 
helps you remember it. You know, if you, if you really want to do that, take big chunks and remember them. I mean, in fact, Steve quoted like a whole big chunk of Hosea. I thought, ooh, that's impressive. But you weren't doing it for that, were you? You're doing it because you're... Okay, a little bit. <laughs> you're doing it because it's living in you, it's dwelling in you. Okay, we're done. It all finishes, doesn't it? It finishes with, those, uh, with Joshua and Psalm. Finish with blessing and fruit and prosperous. I kind of think, I mean, let me just say about prosperous. Don't think fast car, nice house, you know, maze. Have anyone seen those adverts that keep popping up on my phone? You buy this lottery ticket, you can win this five million pound house in the Cotswolds. Has anyone seen that? Is it just me? They obviously know I'm susceptible to it. I haven't bought a lot a ticket yet, but you know, you think, oh, that, like, like nice house, nice life, prosperous, famous. You know, got a little house in Malibu. You know, I'm kind of living the good life. Prosperous, actually, in the Bible means wise. Same word. And now that's really what I need, isn't it, Naomi? (laughs) Don't be an idiot. (coughs) Do you know what an idiot lives in their own world? That's what it means. I want to be wise. I want to live in God's world. Don't, you know. So what we, when it says it's when you, everything you're prosperous, that means you're going to do what's right. You're going to live right. You're going to think right, act right, do right. You're going to be blessed and fruitful. Why don't you stand with me, band, come back. I love these words. Jesus is talking about the the vine and the branches. You know the picture. Oh, go back one. It says, if you, if you meditate on my word, you'll be like a tree planted by the waters. You've got to remember, in a dry country like Israel, being near the waters is the place to be. You're going to be fruitful if you're there. And then Jesus almost takes this idea in, in John 15 and talks about the vine and the branches. The vine needs to be fruitful. And he says this, doesn't he? says, if you dwell in me, and my words dwell in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. What's the thing to obey in that verse? Two verses. Anybody? Words dwell. That's the thing we can do. That's the thing we can do. If you dwell in me, that's something that Christ does by his, uh, his shed blood and his, his broken body. But my words dwell in you. And I thought about this. I thought, Jesus, is, I think it's outrageous. I woke up this morning. It wasn't, that's why it's the last slide. I woke up this morning and I just thought, oh, wow, Jesus spoke this to me. And I thought, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And I thought, yeah, I'd like a big house in the Cotswolds. And no. But Jesus, bless me. Let me be fruitful. Bless my family. Bless this church. Let us be fruitful. Let us be a tree planted by the rivers of life. Let us be like Joshua, successful, taking land for you. Lord, we say we want to dwell in your word. We want to meditate on it day and night.
For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.